kickoff in Death Valley of the 2018 college football season as the Clemson Tigers square off against Furman. Ben Cody here with you today for part two of our position group breakdown. Following up on last episode's defensive position group preview, we are now going to hit on the offense, which includes, of course, the highly talked about quarterback battle. But first, Cody, again, we're four days until kickoff, brand new football season. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. I was texting my brother. Uh, well, the Braves are doing really well, so we're happy about that. Don't do, do, don't start off talking about the Braves. Well, as as good as they're doing, as well as they're doing, I'm really, really darn excited about Clemson football. I tell you what, it has been pretty convenient over the past few years not having the Braves be anywhere near sniffing the playoffs because I could turn my attention away from Major League Baseball as soon as college football starts, and you know, not to get distracted by it. Yeah, not to bore everyone with baseball, but uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a little seesaw now. Hopefully, Clemson will will stay where they are, uh, and the Braves will you know kind of ascend. They'll continue their ascent. Okay, let me ask you this: World Series Game Seven conflicts with uh, Braves are in it. Uh, it conflicts with a Clemson game, let's say against a Florida State. What are you watching? Oh, if it's a World Series game, like Game Seven, uh, definitely. Braves. Only one TV. You're going to turn it to the Braves? Uh, actually, because every game is a, is more or less a playoff in college football, especially with the, when the stakes are that high. But again, against a good Florida State team. I mean, we have like we have multiple screens all over the place uh, in, in 2018, so I'm going to have both games on. That's not, not part. That's not part of this scenario. <laughs> I think a better question is what if both of those games on, and you know, two of your good friends will say Cam, uh, Sam and Katie are getting married on that same day. Do I go to their wedding? And the answer is no. Well, I mean, that's what they would get for scheduling their wedding. That's their fault. Yeah, yeah on a on a FSU game day, but, but they, they didn't do that. They didn't do that this year. They uh, did it on the bye week, so we will be in Clemson uh, for the the bye week this year for Sam and Katie's wedding. Sam, of course, uh, one of our uh, co podcasters here, um, and then I will return you next week. It looks like for the NC State game, so that works out pretty well. Um, but yeah, a ton of excitement uh, here regarding this 2018 season. Uh, Cody, tell me a little bit more. Like, what makes this year different going into this year than previous years past? 
if you compare it to, to 15 and 16, um, I think, well, there was there was an ascent that we that that we saw um, kind of this culmination of a lot of good coaching and in the, in the talent coinciding, and then finally we landed with Deshaun Watson, the greatness of Deshaun Watson. There was a little bit more volatility back then, though, because it seemed like there was high upside talent, but there was a little bit more imbalance throughout the roster. Um, this year, what makes it so great, um, not only to having the returning seniors that we've grown so fond of, like Christian Wilkins and Cleveland Farrell and and Austin Bryant, Mitch Hyatt, but also you have through and throughout the roster, you have just way more talent that you feel really confident about um, and potentially a, a transcendent quarterback um, or at worst, a really good senior quarterback. That's a great leader. Yeah. I just want to kind of start there. Um, you know, with Trevor Lawrence coming in with Deshaun Watson, when he came in back in 2014 um, for his first year, we were told that he was going to be a generational quarterback, but I don't think Clemson fans knew what that meant. I don't think Clemson fans knew what that looked like because we hadn't really experienced something like that. Um, so now that we do, with Trevor Lawrence coming in this year, I think it makes it much harder on, for the fans uh, to give any credit or to, to give any credence to the fact that Kelly Bryant could have also had a really good fall and deserves to be the starting quarterback as he was named this week going into the season. I think part of that, again, is because we saw what Deshaun Watson did, and now what we're hearing everything about Trevor Lawrence um, is that he is better than Deshaun Watson was at that stage. He's more physically uh, prepared at this point. We we know the big knock against Deshaun back then, and he got knocked out of that uh, uh, parts of that season in part because of how thin he was due to injury. Um, but we're not hearing that about Kelly Bryant. So I think that's what makes it a little bit different this year. That's kind of the anticipation and the buildup behind it is that we do have this next generational quarterback. I mean, it's odd to have two within a couple years of each other. Um, so I think that's what makes it a little bit different. And then also you mentioned the guys on the defense. We're in line to see the, the, the possibly the greatest defense in the history of Clemson football step onto the field this year. Again, injuries aside, if everything, everybody stays healthy, that's a, that's a very good possibility. And for me, I'm really excited to, to see that and see those, especially those four guys on the starting defensive line back on the field together for one last time. Agreed. It was it was arguably one of the best last year, and they, we return everyone. So it's not, I don't, you know, you're not off base to to assume that this should be the best Clemson defense in, in school history. Well, and that's the thing. We're anticipating the defense is going to be phenomenal just because we saw those guys play last year, and we know they're going to be better this year if they could even get any better with how great they are. Um, we're anticipating that the offense is going to be a lot better this year just because, you know, running backs are improved with experience. The pass protection should be better. Uh, we're healthier at tight end this year. The offensive line, uh, at least the starting five, is a really core group of guys, as Dabo Sweeney keeps saying, uh, possibly one of the best offensive lines, if not the best he's had in his tenure as the, the coach of, at Clemson. And then you've got all these wide receivers. Uh, we know the talent level is improved from last year. Uh, T. Higgins is going to be better. Uh, you, you hear all the things about Justin Ross, not to mention Hunter Renfro and all the other guys that were running out there. And then the quarterback battle. We know for a fact that Kelly Bryant's going to be improved. We know that. So he'll be better than was last year. And then Trevor Lawrence, I mean, again, what we hear is he's going to be the best quarterback ever at Clemson. So you put those two things together, that, there's the next level of excitement is that this could quite possibly be the best team Clemson has ever had. I think so. On paper, it strikes me as the best team they've ever had because I, I we talked about this in, in earlier shows, and you compare it to the 2016 team, and the one trump card was Deshaun Watson, um, but the the talent around him, his supporting cast, even with Mike Williams, even with 
Gallman and, and Leggett and so on and so forth. Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro. Well, he's back on this Arteta team, Scott, older yeah. and better. Um, but even even with those guys, this team has a better a better overall talent, uh, you know, comp- composition from from top to bottom throughout the depth chart, and you can't dispute that. So, do we have a trump card? That's that's all. That's that's the question. And and what it, what is it um, on the offense that's gonna? Where do we need to be? And we don't need to be the best offense in the country to win a championship. But where do we need to be to to be a viable contender? I think we need to we need to be improved in areas that we were weaker in last year, and that was really a detriment to this football team as exposed in the game against Alabama. I think that's that's clear and obvious, and I think we all expect to be. The question is, is Kelly Bryant's improvement going to be enough to keep Trevor Lawrence off the field, and is it going to be enough to take the next step from college football playoff caliber team to college football champion type team? Okay, but as we all know, games aren't won on paper, so we're going to have to see how this uh, season unfolds this year. Again, we're going to jump into the um, position group previews for the offense in this episode, we did the defense in the last episode. So before we get to the offense, Cody, the the depth chart for the team uh, leading into the Furman game did come out this week after we did our last show. It Was there anything on there that stood out to you on the defensive side of the ball? The offense we're going to get into, so we're not going to talk about that right now. But what stood out to you on the defense? Very little. Uh, the only thing that caught my eye was at cornerback, and this is super minor, but Lee Anthony Williams um, you could call this a good thing and a bad thing. A good thing that Mario Goodrich, true freshman, has already jumped him on the depth chart. And maybe a bad thing for Lee Anthony Williams as a second-year player, as a redshirt freshman. Um, but, you know, uh, I mean, it's it's probably it's not an indictment on him as much as maybe Mario, Mario Goodrich's overall talent. But I was expecting that to be more of a – what it strikes me as is it's more of a uh, – what would you say, a four-person rotation at corner. Right. Um, because they're not going to put a true freshman that just arrived on during the summer um, over a guy that's returning unless he really earned it or unless the other guy uh, just isn't quite up to speed. And this, this is, it strikes me as one of the guys isn't quite up to speed. Yeah, and I, I think the thing that Mario Goodrich, the advantage that he's going to have over Lee Anthony Williams is not necessarily the inch in height that he has. It's the 15 pounds. Clemson is is trending towards bringing these taller corners. We definitely want the physical corners. And just looking at the looking at the measurables, it seems Mario Goodrich has that over Williams. So one thing that stood out to me um, was the fact that Xavier Kelly. We talked about a little bit last episode. The things that we were hearing coming out in practice is that he was being tested inside a defensive tackle. He's now out on the depth chart as a third string behind Christian Wilkins at that t- tackle position. He was recruited as a defensive end. Uh, we all expected him to come up through the ranks as a defensive end. Uh, there is a lack of depth so to speak, a tackle more so than at defensive end. So he's a little undersized, 6'4", 270, to play on the inside. So we thought maybe that was just an experiment for, you know, in case you needed it, like something really bad has to happen. But are you surprised at all to see him listed there on the depth chart? I, I don't really. I think that's just, uh, what would you say? The, the we got to find some place to put him. Yeah, and I think, and I'm, I was more surprised that Jordan Williams is at nose tackle. I don't think, I, so it's kind of like, yeah, you have, Xavier Kelly there as third string, but I don't really think he's the third string. Uh, just like there's Jackson Carmen on the offensive sure, line. You'd, I don't really you'd see Jordan Williams. String. You'd see Jor- Jordan Williams slip in there behind Albert Hungins if needed before you saw Xavier Kelly. Right. And it, ideally next year, I think you want Jordan Williams as your, as your three technique there, that which is Christian Wilkins position and not, 
not nose tackle. Yeah, and well, and, and not, it's his optimal position. And not to men- mention, we are pretty loaded at defensive end. Uh, that being said, and part of the reason why we state the date, uh, the day, and the date when we open the show is for the, this very reason. Last week we did the defensive group preview. We talked a little bit about Richard Jurgen. The next day, turns out he retires from football. At least for this season, sounds like his career is over. Um, wish him all the luck. He went through some very unfortunate uh, circumstances with, with obviously with injuries. Um, so sad to hear that, but as far as the depth is concerned at defensive end, we're going to be just fine. Okay. So before we go any further, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Thanks to all our first time listeners. Of course, this is that time of year where we start to see an uptick in our listen count just because of the popularity of football and, you know, new people are finding us. Um, and the way you can do that is that, you know, we're on all your podcasting apps. You can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, it really helped to leave us a review on iTunes. That helps get our brand out there and helps um, promote bringing new listeners into our show. So to all of you who do, we really appreciate that. And, of course, you can interact with us um, through Gmail. or Clemson Podcast at gmail.com, uh, at Clemson Podcast, at Facebook and Twitter. Of course, on SoundCloud, we've had some interactions on there. So, again, appreciate everybody for listening. And then also, Tully, the normal host of our show, hasn't been on here uh, with us recently a lot. He's had a lot going on in the last year, had his second son, moved into a new house. So he's been a bit busy. But to keep him involved in the podcast and in Clemson football, he's done some episodes uh, doing interviews with some of the staff from Shaking the Southland. We encourage you all to go to listen to those. It was brought to our attention that maybe there was a little bit more profanity than some preferred um, in those episodes. So just a disclaimer on those. We'll start adding those to the beginning of each episode in case you happen to be listening with your kids or with your grandmother or at church um, while you're biding your time. So Quit listen to podcasts at church, people. That being said, they have their own unique sense of humor um, to inject in the, into the show. It's a nice little change up for what we knew on a regular basis. So we encourage you all to give it a shot. And in general, too, I think we'll we'll have those guys in more often. Uh, we we hope to. So, like, we're I mean, our idea is to put out more content just so people will have more to listen to. You know, if if it's um, it's going to be different types of content that will appeal to different types of audiences. And if it's not your brand, just turn it off. Um, you know, and that's and that's fine. So, um, but yeah, we 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 give the fans take. But when you're talking about fans, there's a lot of different types of fans that have a lot of different types of opinions, and we assume that some will resonate with some and others. Uh, with others. So, um, yeah, but with that too, there's still going to be like interviews with the quacking tiger. Um, we're going to get more like insight one-on-ones with like Alex Kraft and, and Matt, their offensive guru, which those guys are super knowledgeable on. So, uh, look forward to that, uh, that will run in conjunction to what we do uh, normally on our, on our podcast episodes. Okay. Well, again, be on the lookout for those, go check them out. But with that though, let's move on to the position group breakdown for the 2018 offense. Okay, Cody, last year's version of the Clemson offense was the 45th ranked offense in the, in the S&P rankings. Uh, they came in as the number eight rushing uh, offense, number 25 passing. Now, I know what you're probably thinking to yourselves is that average doesn't quite uh, add up to 45th, but there's a lot more that goes into the S&P rankings. Uh, we were 43rd in explosive plays and 47th in success on passing downs. Um, so that is part of what drove down the rankings in total. So these are a little bit, the, the metrics can be confusing at times. So Cody, I'll let you expand on that. Yeah. The reason I wanted to look at these metrics is for one, I think things like total offense or total yards or, th- um, things like that are, are not the best measures because you can't, you know, you're not factoring in garbage time and 
there's just a whole lot of ways to look at it. You, you don't, I don't think there's a um, quality of opponent consideration there. So with the S and P, it's it's Bill Connolly from SB Nation who does. He's a you know just a stats guru. Um, it's it's a really good breakdown, and you'll you'll see some stats like even like a, a like a baseball player's batting line and uh, or or a, a basketball player's uh, shooting line or whatever. And you're like that doesn't really align with my eye test, you know. But in the case of these numbers for Clemson's 2017 offense, I think it really does align because you see 45th in the nation. That might feel a little low for some, um, but across almost every metric. It seems like we're pretty good. We're really good in some in some cases. We're elite in a couple of cases. Um, and then we were when I when I every, anytime I see anything out of the top thirty or forty, I, I, I say that's not so good for us. Um, and what it comes down to is the one thing that or the two things we weren't good at were explosive plays. And according to Bill Connolly and, and a lot of research and a lot of uh, data, that's the number one indicator of winning football: um, creating those high variance explosive plays. And you, you think back to we we're talking about it before recording. Think back to like Deshaun Watson, like, yeah, he threw for a lot of interceptions uh, his junior year, and we our turnover margin in seventeen was much lower. But you just see the value because you know that seventeen or sixteen offense was so much better. How can that be explained? Well, pretty easily, it's it's through those those high variance ex- explosive plays. Yeah, well, the Clemson offense and. Uh, 2016 had 45 passing touchdowns compared to 17 from last year. So I think we're zeroing in on what we, you know, what we really already know is that the passing game was definitely not up to par last year compared to that 2016 offense. While they did outrush them by 24 yards a game, it was 99 yards less uh, from the passing game. So I think that all that is all supported by the metrics and the numbers and the metrics that we're seeing. And that points directly to that we need an improved passing game this year. And I think that's no surprise to anybody. No. And, you know, if we could start jumping in, it's it's pretty it's pretty clear that uh, from everything we've heard, the starter Kelly Bryant has, has made a lot of strides. And if we talk about this team, then one, one thing where I think we should give Kelly Bryant his due and uh, he deserves plenty of respect is like let's look at this team like if it's Kelly Bryant the whole way and not think about him through the context or the lens of uh, the guy that's 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 battling him, which is Trevor Lawrence. Well, and I think you also have to consider the group of people that Kelly Bryant has around him because it wasn't necessarily all on Kelly Bryant last year. You had some issues with pass protection uh, with the running backs. Obviously, um, Garrett Williams was not in there at the tight end position. Uh, Mylon Richard, not the best blocker. Uh, Deion Kane and other wide receivers had some issues dropping some balls. Well, in general, there wasn't a big boundary receiver last year. T. Higgins wasn't ready. Overton right. wasn't ready. And, and Deion Kane just wasn't that guy. I mean, again, he was a quarterback in high school, so he wasn't quite ready, groomed for that role. Um, but what this team does have is nine returning starters on the offense coming back this year, or guys who had you know started at some point, uh, but 17 total impact players. A lot of that is due to the to the incredible depth we have at the wide receiver position. But 17 guys that made an impact of some sort last year coming back on this team this year, and that throw into that four possible impact freshmen. So I think just looking at the the experience that is returning and the quality of players returning, this is going to be a much better core group of guys that's around Kelly Bryant than he had last year as well. Not to mention Kelly Bryant should be improved. You know, a lot of a lot has been made of uh, it, you know whose fault is it? Is it was it, you know Alabama game? Was it Kelly Bryant? Was it the receivers? Was it the offensive line? And and just like with everything in life, there's complexity and there's nuance, and it's clearly not just one or the other. It's a little bit of, of both, and in certain circumstances, it was more one than the other. Um, but I think this will get a truer sense of 
um, because I think the offensive line is going to take a step forward. Uh, the wide receivers are there. I, I truly believe. I mean, what we saw from T. Higgins, you just can't fake that on that many plays in the spring game. He's going to show up. He's going to still be 6'5". He's still going to have the, the physical ability. So I, I think he's going to have, Kelly Bryant's going to have the tools, as you said, to be like, you know, to kind of, what would you say, um, vindicate himself yeah, I mean, uh, from he, the scrutiny? He's going to have the weapons around it, but it still comes down to him uh, being able to do all the right things, being able to put the ball in the right place, being able to prove on the downfield passing, being able to improve on the passes across the middle. Um so we'll see. I mean, it's going to come down to the play on the field, and that's what we've been hearing all along. That's what it was going to come down to last year when we all thought Hunter Johnson was going to come in after the first four games, uh, seeing the tough schedule that we had to begin last year. Kelly Bryant came through that unscathed, and he looked like the best quarterback that we saw on the field last year. Then he certainly deserved to be the starter. This year he's going to have to earn it again, and it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because he's going up against much stiffer competition, supposedly, in Trevor Lawrence. I think so. Um, I think that'll that'll keep pushing him, and we'll see how things play out. Let's maybe not talk about like if 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 one is leapfrogged, if Kelly Bryant's leapfrogged. But let me ask you this: If what what does it take? Knowing we were the you know fortieth something offense last year, what does it take? What ranking does it take? And and what does that look like from Kelly Bryant to take us up to a top twenty five or a top fifteen offense? Like, what are the parts of his game that you want to see? You'd want to see improve. Uh, well, I think, well, as far as the passing game is concerned, again, we touched on it. The downfield pass balls have to be much more accurate. They have to be in the same zip code, not area code, in, in, the, in the same zip code as these wide receivers. Again, I think we have more talent and more proven talent at the wide receiver position this year, so I think they are going to give him a lot more help. But we'll still be able to see his passing ability and how much he's improved. I don't think his mechanics are going to improve all that much. I just think that's something there's a little hitch in his in his th- throwing motion where he seems to be a little slow getting the ball out. We'll see if that's changed at all this year, um, but that's something he could certainly work on. And then, again, uh, accuracy and confidence in throwing the ball across the middle. If you can't start to pick p- teams uh, apart, throwing the ball across the middle – or going over the top and having success in the downfield passing game, then those little short passes are going to be key, uh, out to the flats, are going to be keyed in on, and teams are going to be able to stop you. And the, Yeah, that's what Alabama good, did. Really good yeah. teams are going to be able to stop you. Yeah, the, yeah, the really good ones like Alabama. Um, I, I agree with you, and I think part of what you said, like some of the intermediate routes where we had a little bit of trouble, uh, and then, of course, the the deep routes. Some of that's one and the same, though, when you're talking about looking downfield. It's, it's accuracy, but it's looking off safeties. And that is a really tough skill because how the heck do you simulate a football game in the offseason uh, such that you're going to you're going to start to develop that that uh, those instincts in real time? I mean, you can do it in basketball. You can play pickup games and start to, to see angles and, and, you know, garner those instincts. But you can't do it in football. So uh, you can work on your craft as much as you can. Well, I want to see if he has the ability to do things like look off safeties, go through progressions that I think go beyond two reads, because I think that's where he was kind of stifled after that second read, um, I think he would telegraph parts of the field last year um, that made it easy for defenses to prey on him, and especially as more film came out. Um, the things that like he he was really good with though uh, were like those like slant routes. He was he was accurate on the shorter shorter two intermediate routes. Um, I agree with you. The, the kind of the elongated delivery that's that's a huge that's something he might not improve on, but the accuracy was a little bit off last year at times. 
you got to get the ball to Mario Rogers in stride, and he can he he can get you some yardage. Yeah, absolutely. So that that's a that's a fundamental part of our offense, and I I expect those things to be cleaned up. I I, I expect those things to be a little bit more crisp. Yeah, and I think his mental capacity to, to to manage the game is going to be improved again. Again, this could be his fifth year in the program, um, and that's one of the things that had him above Trevor Lawrence is just his knowledge of the system. Um, so again, but that comes with his seniority. Of course, he should have that over Trevor Lawrence. So. We'll see. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I think if you're a true Clemson fan, Kelly Bryant has been named the starter. Uh, you need to root for him to be as successful as he can be. Agreed. And let me let me ask you this, too. Um, I, we'll call it 70-30. He relied on 70% legs, and this is completely arbitrary. 70% legs last year, maybe 30% arm or, or arm talent passing game. Uh, what? I'd like to see that closer to 50-50 and maybe not see an in, like the reverse of 7-3. I don't know that he can get there, but I think he has to be there in order for us to really improve as an offense. Well, so a couple things there. You know, One thing that he was really good at was being a game manager and not turning over the ball. So with that, part of that is on those deep balls, playing it safe, overthrowing guys. They were constantly overthrown. They weren't underthrown a lot, setting up easy picks for, the, for opposing defensive backs. But he also had a tendency to pull the ball down and run early a lot. And that goes into the kind of that 70-30 run pass uh, number that you just um, stated there. So that's one of the metrics that I would look to be different, at least get down to like 60-40, maybe 50-50, is that his presence and decision-making in the pocket, that's something that definitely needs to improve. Yeah, and when when things kind of break down, or for one, have composure, but don't just start running. And that's his first instinct, probably, because he's a better runner than he is a passer. Yeah. And I, I would say, too, uh, well, he's he is a capable runner uh, and he's he's, you know, he's sufficiently fast. But well, he's lights that, out in the red zone. He's good there. Goal. So so I would consider like running is, is we say that as it's bundled into one like it's it's bundled into one word, but we don't really mean that. Like when it comes to like zone reads and reading a defensive end. And and knowing whether to hand the ball to the running back or to or to take it yourself or on jet sweeps. So you have Amari Rogers in motion. Do you give it to him? Do you, you know, do you give it to Edian? He was really good at that. I expect him to prove even more there. Um, and that's where you allow Tony Elliott to be more of like have his his imprint more on the offense because I, I really think he came into his own last year. Uh, Kelly Brown becomes more of a, an extension of his play calling. Doesn't mean that he's the best option at quarterback. It just means you're going to execute on plays um, and get the result that you want. And so that's what we didn't talk about a lot in the defensive uh, breakdown was the coordinating. But I think you, you hit on something there with Tony Elliott. I think a lot of that really had to do with the limitations that Kelly Bryant had last year. But it'd be interesting to see if there is more some creative play calling this year and combined with Kelly Bryant's improvement and where that takes us. One thing that I would really love to see, and this is something that coaches do when they're grading um, the games, is I would love to be exposed to the information that tells us what percentage of the time was Kelly Bryant making those right decisions and how that would have improved from last year to this year. I think that would be a very interesting stat to see. Yeah. It helped us understand it better because the coaches have more exposure to that. Obviously, they're the ones doing the grading. So they have this... They, they have this knowledge, kind of like the stats from the scrimmages that have come out now um, from the spring and the fall that really has put Kelly Bryant ahead of everybody. Um, we didn't know that until I think it just came out today. I know Tim Barrett tweeted it earlier. Dabo uh, 
mentioned that in his firm and press conference earlier today. So that's information we don't get. Um, so without that information, some of this is speculation. Yeah, I, I suppose we could look at it on film. Ain't nobody got time for that. And we can get a, a decent sense of that. And the, I think the decisions are made in real time, which is which is why we could uh, deduce those uh, those decisions or grade those decisions. But I, I think ultimately you could see him developing, I think, a, I don't want to say a mastery of the offense, but I, I think he, he really got comfortable in the system. One thing that we saw from him last year was his body breaking down. So that's the other part. Sure, you want to, you, you don't want him to rely on the legs because it, it limits your offense, or you don't want him to rely too much on his legs because it, it, it hurts your offense. But you also don't want him taking so many hits. Um, I think we, we see on average or maybe a little bit upwards of 20 carries per game. That's really high. Um, your body just can't. It's like being in a car wreck every game. Your body is traumatized. And the, what's going to happen in that Syracuse game, that's, just, that, that's bound to happen. At some point, you're going to get injured. So, and we saw, I mean, it was the injury going into that game that led him to being injured again. He was very hesitant and running, and then he was getting way too beat up, should have been pulled earlier. Right, and if you think about it, like, it's likely, someone would, someone may say it's likely that he'll get injured. I would say it's unlikely that he doesn't get injured if he, if he stays to 20 runs per game. And... And then, well, you know, we do have a viable backup, but... Well, and I was just about to get to that, so... Let's talk about the backups. I think the coaching staff is probably a lot more confident in the backups this year than they were last year. I think so. And we saw Zarek Cooper, and, and, and I, he's going to have a long way to go, but we saw his game, and he wasn't he wasn't doing such a great job uh, with Jacksonville State. Um, and Hunter Johnson, I think we know he'll be good in time, and Zarek Cooper as well, but there, there wasn't anyone really pushing uh, Kelly Bryant on the depth chart last year. Yeah, Tucker Israel, not really a factor. Chase Bryce was redshirting. Um, there were six scholarship or five scholarship quarterbacks. We were five or six. We were five scholarship quarterbacks on the team last year. Three of those guys have left. We're down to three scholarship quarterbacks and Bryant, Lawrence, and Bryce. So injuries become more of a factor. There's more of a concern, but not really until you have two guys go down maybe because if Kelly Bryant goes down, and of course we don't want that to happen, then you're looking at Trevor Lawrence. So let's start to talk about Trevor Lawrence here because I think people are probably – um, wondering why it's taken us 30 minutes to get to him. Um, Trevor Lawrence, again, we, we've mentioned all the, the hype around him coming into this season. The average fan probably wants him starting at quarterback uh, game one, and a lot of them will point to the Deshaun Watson, Cole Stout situation um, back in 2015. But this is different. Cole Stout didn't lead the team to a college football player. I don't think the previous year. I, I think no one's making that argument. I don't think anyone's making Have you been on message boards? They have. People are making that argument. It's similar, but no one knows that. You said the average Clemson fan is rooting for Trevor Lawrence, or is it wants Trevor Lawrence to take over, and the and the rest are liars. I'm well. I'm not calling anybody a liar. I, I just I just did. So why are you calling people liars? I, because people are lying if they don't think. I mean, because he just oozes with talent, and and we know, like you talked about earlier in the episode, Deshaun Watson set that that mark. We know what it looks like. We know like it, how it can tra- transcend uh, kind of your weaknesses on your team. Not that we have a whole lot on the offense. We know why we want Trevor Lawrence to be up there. Be- and by all accounts, uh, and the coaches— Oh, we want to see his greatness. They've hyped him up to us, so of course we want to see his greatness. They said he's ahead of Deshaun Watson up to this point. And that, that is high praise, without a doubt. 
Uh, but all I'm saying, and maybe my percentages are wrong about who wants Trevor Lawrence to be starting, but the argument that's made, we'll look back to Deshaun Watson, the Cole Stout situation. I'm just saying this is a completely different situation. Kelly Bryant is a much uh, different, more talented, more advanced quarterback than Cole Stout was. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's move away from talking about, I guess, comparing uh, apples to apples, Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence and why one should be starting over the other. Because, again, until we get into the games, we're not actually going to know. But let's talk about Trevor Lawrence himself, what we expect out of him this year. Uh, and part of the thing, all the more reason to start playing your backups a lot is, A, we're going to be up big in games this year. I'm sorry that's no surprise. We're not going to be an apologist about this. Clemson's going to be really good. The schedule is not uh, tough at all. Uh, Kelly Bryant won games by a larger percentage of points than Deshaun Watson the previous year. Um, so again, that's only going to be better this year. So, uh, keeping Kelly Bryant healthy, part of that is maybe getting your backups a little bit earlier and often, especially if you trust them. Trevor Lawrence is a guy this coaching staff is going to trust. If Kelly Bryant wasn't on the team right now, Trevor Lawrence would be the starter hands down. I think so. Uh, I don't, I don't think it'd be an argument. Um, what does he bring from a skill set standpoint? Well, he does have the arm talent. I think he makes throws on a level for when he's six, six, if you, you don't know this about him, that's inherently an advantage when you can see over every offensive lineman. Um, he has one of the better arms, I think, probably coming out of high school that we've seen. So, um, and not not just terms of raw strength, but with touch and um, and accuracy. So he can make all the throws, as they say, um, not to be a, a all the generic you know quips, but he can make all the throws. He does have the touch. Um, he he has the vision, and he keeps his eyes downfield when things do break down. Um, he will keep his eyes downfield, and that's when it becomes deadly when he can make those throws on the run. And he's um, probably ahead of Kelly Bryant at this point um, in looking off safeties um, and those aspects of the game. Of course, we mentioned that's something Bryant does need to improve on, but all the everything else aside, the body work from Kelly Bryant, everything they've seen, it puts him as a starter. But that being said, Trevor Lawrence, I think neither of us question the fact that Trevor Lawrence at his best is going to be a better quarterback than Kelly Bryant, whether that's this year or not remains to be seen, but I think all said and done at the end of the day, if we trust the coaches and what they're saying, it's going to be some some combination of one, two, Deshaun Watson, uh, Trevor Lawrence as the top two quarterbacks in the history of Clemson football when all is said and done. I think so. Barring injury, it seems unlikely that that wouldn't be the case. And I know that's a lot of praise for someone that hasn't played yet, but um, but we've seen uh, enough people have seen him and enough reliable people that are, are um I think who are trusted sources have said said as much. He's one. He's the best quarterback that may have stepped onto campus in Clemson history. So with that, I, I also think uh, one of the weaknesses that were presumed weaknesses of his, of his was his his body size for one, but also his um, his him not being a mobile quarterback. There was there was a little bit of fear there that he wasn't going to be able to move around. You wouldn't be able to use him in the same way you could Deshaun Watson. Well, that's not really true. He, he's really quick. He showed quickly that he is. He does have some wheels. He can move. You're not going to put him in a lot of zone reads. You don't want him doing dive plays a lot. Um, you don't. You shouldn't need to. But you can use him in uh, for scrambling if he sees some open yardage, or some open field. He can get those yards and, and get out of bounds safely. Um, much more like Deshaun Watson uh, than than what you saw from Kelly Bryant, just in just in style. Yeah, and the, the reason there was all this speculation about whether or not he could run is because in high school he didn't have to, and why would he, right? He could pick apart high school defenses no problem without the risk of getting injured by running the football. So I think through spring practice and now into fall camp, 
it's becoming obvious that he does have that ability ability he's not gonna be limited in that sense is he uh, better equipped to take a hit than kelly bryant probably not um but kelly bryant's a big dude uh will he get there in a couple years well he's only 10 pounds less than kelly bryant at this point and he came in to camp more bulked up than he was in the spring so that's positive yeah and i think i think you'll also see um i mean just from being a, a you know, Kelly Bryant played in a, in a wing tee. So that's another part of like his development that you have to take into account. Whereas Trevor Lawrence has been doing this and in, in, I imagine more of a pro style or even spread offense in high school, I believe he, he's going to be really comfortable in the pocket. He's going to sense things. And so uh, from a standpoint of like self-preservation, which Deshaun Watson, uh, freshman year aside, I think Trevor Lawrence will have some of that, that's those same instincts of knowing when the pocket's collapsing, knowing where his outlet is, where his safety valve is, or knowing when it's a good time just to throw it out of bounds. Yeah, so I think a mistake that we made last year here is we were trying to predict at what point in the season Kelly Bryant was going to lose the job. And I don't want to do that this year because, honestly, we don't know. We don't know how much he has improved, and we don't know how good Trevor Lawrence's beat is going to be because we haven't seen either of them on the field this year against competition so it's something that's going to play out we're not going to put a number on it's like oh by the fifth game of the season trevor lawrence is going to be the starting quarterback for clemson we don't know that what we can say is that from what we saw from kelly bryant last year he does have a long ways to go to be a quarterback for this clemson team who can lead them to a national championship exactly it's a, it's a good way to put it and maybe another like positive spin um is that they have complementary skill sets in a way uh, where where you don't where you do get those red zone situations. Deshaun Watson had a little bit of trouble in sixteen in red zone situations. We weren't highly efficient or effective there. Um, you know the national championship game aside. So Kelly Bryant was elite at that last year, and that's that's something with having the viable running threat, uh, the willing run it, runner. So it, you're going to use both of them. Uh, you, you, like I said earlier, if you run Kelly Bryant out every game for the entire game and he, he's running twenty times a game, he's going to get injured. It's going to happen. Uh, the the conversely, I you would say Trevor Lawrence is if he's playing a full game, he's probably going to take some hit, or some hits too that could lead to injury. So you, you ideally you want some combination of both uh, from a skill set from a health standpoint. Well, so that brings us to Chase Bryce, QB number three, <laughs> um, uh, under the radar guy, unheralded. Um, I, the coaches have done nothing but. Uh, speak good things about him this year. They've they've said time and time again that it's not a quarterback battle between two guys. It's a quarterback battle between three guys. Um, I, I think a little bit of that is obviously coach speak, but I don't think they're overselling Chase Bryce. Chase Bryce came out of high school as a highly rated four-star quarterback, and he's not going to get injury aside. He's not going to take over this year, but I look into his future Kelly Bryant's gone after this year. Trevor Lawrence is going to be here for three years tops if he doesn't get injured. That puts us at a point where Chase Bryce is your number two backup for at least the next two years. And then in his fifth year, redshirt senior year, this could be your starter, uh, the starting quarterback for the Clemson football team. You're looking a long ways down the, down the line. I don't know how things will shake out, but we'll just say that he's good. Um, he's and got that's, talent. And that's what I'm trying to, to <laughs> point out is that don't get uh, blinded by the, the incumbent Kelly Bryant, the talent of Trevor Lawrence. Like Chase Bryce is a really good quarterback. He did not shy away from signing in the same class after Hunter Johnson signed. He believes in himself. 
And I mean, he's a quality guy. You could throw him out there this year, and this is not hyperbole. I think you could throw him out there this year. Clemson will win a lot of football games, and not just because everybody else around him is so great. It's because of how good he's he is and is going to be. I think so, and and I, I think he from what, from what we've heard, like you said, he's 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 really competitive. He's really competent in himself, and he's I, a gunslinger. I, I want a player that's overly confident you, you you want the right sort of confidence but if i had the option between overly confident or, or lacking confidence i'd take overconfidence in sports every single time and i, I think that's what he's going to give you but more than that yeah he's competitive he's talented uh really good arm he'll make some throws that we'll say that kelly bryant probably can't make um he'll also do some stupid things and i think he's still learning uh to play the position at the collegiate level so um, more of a developmental curve, but if, if worse came to worse and he's the guy you're rolling with, um, there's there's worse options for sure. Yeah, and I think the overconfidence is perfectly fine. It's it's when guys lack humility is when that becomes an issue. Uh, case in point, Chad Kelly. Now, it seems like Chad Kelly has finally gotten that and maybe set up to have a successful career in the NFL and hoping he does. Uh, but again, that's the difference. Overconfidence, perfectly okay. Um, Baker Mayfield type overconfidence, no lack of humility. That's not something that you really want to see on the football team. As good as Baker Mayfield was. I'll take Baker Mayfield any day. I will not. Have you ever seen him out, try to outrun a cop? Yeah, well, you know, I don't questionable morals that aside, but no, I think he's the perfect like he 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 straddles that line of overconfidence, and I think he he can hone it in. Maybe he loses his composure a little bit. But anyhow, that's all I was going for. Well, right. And I think the bottom line is here, talking between, we know how good of a leader Kelly Bryant is. Uh, we hear about Trevor Lawrence and how he has no entitlement issues. He's a very humble guy. And then Chase Bryce, you know, he's been with the program for a couple of years. We know about his character. So the positive, again, coming out about all three of these guys is I think that them being a leader is not something that we would question. I think so. Also, like their talent. That helps. Okay, so that wraps it up for the quarterbacks. Thank God we only have three of them on the roster. Otherwise, this episode would go to about two hours long. But let's go ahead and move on to the running backs. Okay, so a familiar cast of running backs returning this year. Um, three guys that we all know are pretty solid options, very talented, and all with different stories. You know, Travis Etienne listed as one on the depth chart right now. Uh, we saw the brilliance of his flashy play last year and him just be able to pop onto the scene and wow us all. That, what, 89-yard, 81-yard rush against Louisville last year was really his breakout game. Um, and you saw him continue on and put up big plays throughout the season. Got worn down a little bit at the end of the year. Um, but that being said, you know, really excited to see him back this year. Then you got Adam Choice, a guy who, he's in his fifth year. He suffered injury setbacks but came in as a really – a talented four-star running back that had a really high up upside. What we're hearing is he's the healthiest he's ever been. He's trimmed down a little bit, but still has that bulk that's going to help him be a big bruising runner. Um, and then we got Tavian Feaster, a guy that was a five-star running back. Uh, he's had some setbacks. He's been injured, uh, ha had an injury here, some work on his meniscus uh, during the fall. So that has him at third on the depth chart right now. But still, we know the talent he has. He is trimmed down a little bit. Expect him to be a sleeker version of Tavian Feaster. But bottom line is top three. That's a good stable of horses right there. It's really good. Yeah, at one point we thought Tavian Feaster. Last year we thought Tavian Feaster could be you know our our all American running back of the future. And you go one year and he's and you know it's this is the reason he's third is for help. 
and because Adam Choice is doing, he had a really great offseason, and because ETN just came out of nowhere, and as you said, he, you, you know, words can't describe how great he was. So Hard to pass him on the depth chart. He can't catch him. Yeah, he's so if we maybe starting with him, he, if he had a weakness last year, and he had, he had several holes in his game, he was he was raw and a very un, 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 very unfinished product. Uh, it was for one pass protection, but you saw as the year went along that he got better with that. Very encouraging at times. Um, few few gaffes at times. By all reports, that's that's improved. Well, in the, in the Alabama game, he was responsible for a few turnovers, just with missed blocking assignments. Sure. So. By all accounts, that's improved. Maybe it's not the best part of this running back core as a whole. Um, choice might actually give you the, the best grade in terms of pass protection, being a fifth-year guy. But ETN has gotten better. You saw the progression his, his freshman year. And then the, the second part is you talked about him wearing down a little bit because he was 185, and he needed to get to really 200. And I think he's at 205 now. So that's going to give him the, the added weight and the necessary weight to take on a few more hits with his explosive style of running where he just doesn't hold anything back. I mean, it's, it's pretty darn violent. So uh, he, he really needed that, that those extra pounds and it's all upper body. Um, So, which is where, and that's going to help in the blocking game. Right. He, I think I don't, I don't see him losing. I don't see him losing a step either. Uh, 20 pounds on a, on a six-foot frame, I, I think you're going to still see the explosiveness, but with the added... Well, the listen at 5'10", but still, yeah, we five don't... 5'10", 5'11". If they say 5'10", usually he's 5'9". So, I'm not going to put him up there at 5'11". Uh, that said, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I think we saw a monster year out of him last year. I couldn't be more excited to see what he's going to be able to do with a knowledge of the playbook um, and then those improved intangibles... That would allow him to be out there more consistently in, in certain situations where uh, blocking and pass protection is something that is going to be required to help keep your quarterback healthy. Speaking of keeping quarterbacks healthy, um, so yeah, I mean, not a lot more that we can say about ETN. I mean, he just burst onto the scene last year. We expect him to to be completely improved. I mean, again, the knowledge of the playbook, just seeing what he's going to be able to do. But not that he even needed it last year. He saw a hole, he went through it, he saw green, he went towards it, and he just outran everybody. That's something that we haven't seen in a long time. Uh, I mean, since what, C.J. Spiller type of speed, you would say? I think so. And, and with his burst out of the box, uh, maybe he doesn't have quite the high upside uh, speed. Well, but his 0 to 60 is incredible. I, I think so. And I think when you have a guy that's as explosive as him, it's kind of like the Dalvin Cook effect, the C.J. Spiller effect. You really fear him because if you miss one tackle, he will take it to the house. So that, that really opens things up in the passing game as well. All these things are interconnected, and, and, and the emergence of T. Higgins, who we'll talk about later, that, that really just puts a lot of strain on, on defenses. Right, and I think with his improved uh, pass protection and blocking ability, I think that opens the door for him to see more targets in the passing game. I think, well, at some point, I think you're going to need um, someone to be more active in, in that part of the game. If we uh, So if we went on a choice, I think well, that's none of the top three are really uh, – Maybe Feaster's your best guy catching out of the backfield, um, but what's what's nice is you do get some some different skill sets in our running backs. If if Etienne's if he's lightning, <laughs> then uh, Choice is a legitimate thunder. I think he is bulked up to what is, is two twenty on the depth chart, which is where he was his redshirt freshman year. And I, I think he has a, a distinct skill set. Looks like he's just hey, I'm going to be the big bruising back, and I'm going to get yards. And it, from all accounts, like he's moving piles in, in the scr- in, in scrimmages. And if you need him for a goal line situation or just to get positive yardage, I think he's your guy. Yeah, and I think he helps spell Kelly Bryant if he's the quarterback or any of your quarterbacks in those goal line situations. 
just being able to be that big bruising back. You don't need Kelly Bryant to, to kind of punch it in there, which will limit his risk of injury. Um, yeah, so interesting read from uh, on Tiger Net about Adam Choice. He is uh, a cousin of Joe Burns and Deshard Choice, former running backs at Georgia Tech. So he's really picked their brain. He says he's had a lot of conversations with them, specifically about pass protection. So I think just those relationships there has helped him through his, his tougher times coming up through Clemson, the dealing with the industry, uh, injuries. But interesting to see him reach out to those guys and Deshard Choice, a guy who's played a good bit in the NFL. Um, so... I think right now, if you had to rank him on the roster, he's probably your best pass protection guy as well. I think so. Um, and then that leaves you with Feaster. So Feaster might be your best all around, but he hasn't quite put it together. I think he's been injuries, injuries have hampered him a little bit. I think he miscalculated on his weight last year. He, he got a little bit too big and then uh, wasn't able to shed those pounds during the season. He's a guy, ultimately, he probably needs to be closer to about 210, and he was about 220 last year. So, so he's dropped five pounds from there. He's 215. So that's good. So closer um, back to the range that we like to see him in. Because ultimately, yeah, you, you, speed is more important than power. Um, it's good, gotta, to, good to have a little bit of both. But and we got, Easter, a, we got a good glimpse of that on that long 89-yarder he had last year. And that's what we look to get more out of him. And we talked about those explosive plays or the lack thereof last year. He's a guy that could help really push that number up. He could. If, if that weight's down and he's a little bit quicker out of the box, then he gives you a really viable second speedster on the roster and by all accounts too his pass protection it was really a thing of effort and and knowing and watching game film and he's in his money year now i don't know that he'll he's really a legitimate candidate for the nfl but sometimes you see it it's call it what you want but sometimes when guys get to that third year they start taking things a little bit more seriously i hope to see that out of out of feaster um if for nothing else just to be a better uh, running back at clemson yeah, and I think you do see a lot. A lot of freshmen can be faster out of the gates than others. And whether or not it's a money year type of thing or it just takes a little bit of time to develop for something to click, he could bust out in a way that not only that you hope for, but maybe in a way that you didn't quite expect just because of how his first two years have gone. Could be, could be. He, he Very heralded, high, uh, highly thought of recruit. So he, the talent is there. Maybe it's confidence, maybe it's effort, maybe it's something else, but... Yeah, don't be surprised if you're like, wow, he's one of the best running backs in the conference uh, You know, by this time in November. Yeah, so they're listed as one through three on the depth chart. That order is going to fluctuate all year long. They're all going to get a considerable amount of carries. Now, that takes us to the guy that's fourth on the depth chart, a uh, true freshman who came out of nowhere, uh, kind of like ETN did last year. We knew he was going to be a uh we knew he was a talented running back and was gonna be good in time but a guy in lynn j dixon who really turned heads early and often in fall camp and he was able to push through kind of that first couple week three week barrier and remained in the hunt and part of the conversation and it's looking like he's gonna avoid a redshirt this year i think so it makes sense you know it's fourth fourth guy and fourth scholarship running back i don't think we need, we would burn a red shirt and we talked about him in an earlier episodes so we won't spend too much time on him but um, another guy that we hit on, and I think he, we talked about his skill set. He's a little bit more of a scat back, smaller guy, but aggressive, has the right vision and instincts. Natural runner. And yeah, you could, natural runner is a good way to put it. And he, and he can catch the ball out of the backfield very well. So um, situationally, we could use him. And, and I think he's going to get plenty, plenty of, of reps or snaps and, and carries this season uh, with the mop-up duty that will be available. Yeah, and as, as you've seen the trend continue in, in college football in the NFL, just because of the – I think the running back position is probably the one that has the higher risk of energy um, of injury as any on the team, just because of the high impact collisions that they have. 
Um, so, you know, Clemson will, would ideally, Clemson's going to like to have three running backs as part of that rotation. And part of that is just to keep guys fresh so you can start to wear other teams down at the end of the game. So, again, injury situation, something like that. That's a spot where Lynn J. Dixon could step in and have a big impact. And I would definitely expect to see him out on the field late in garbage time games. Right. I mean, odds are that we will need him in, in uh, meaningful minutes at some point in the season just because injuries happen to running backs. It's more likely to happen than not likely. Well, he's not a bad backup to have down there to, to spell somebody if needed. Um, so that wraps it up for the running backs. Let's move on to the talented wide receiver core. All right, so Clemson is called wide receiver U for a reason. Uh, a little bit of dip last year, but that wasn't for lack of talent. But coming into this year, an even increased uh, talent load. You've got guys like T. Higgins that came in and played a good bit as a true freshman last year. Same thing with Amari Rogers. Expect them to be much improved this year, and especially with all the talent that they have. But top to bottom, um, I think there's nine guys on this team, uh, as there was last year, that will see definite playing time this year and can make impacts in different ways. I think so. It, it, don't know where you want to start. Maybe we could do just go by the two position or we could start at the nine. Uh, I don't know. I, so let's start at the nine position. I think that's one of the, the sexier ones. We mentioned T. Higgins, and also then we have the standout coming in at Justin Ross. This was the position on the field that Deion Kane manned. Uh, last year, again, maybe not the best position for him, but he was there uh, simply because uh, seniority experience and you had T. Higgins, a raw, um, a true freshman, and then DeAndre Overton, a guy that I was kind of hoping would have stepped up a little bit more last year. That maybe could have been the, the fact that he didn't is possibly because Kelly Bryant's uh, weakness in throwing the deep ball. But we see T. Higgins jump him. He's first on the depth chart. I think what we expect out of him this year is a lot of highlight reel plays. I think so. You saw a little bit of it in, in this spring game and it, it's rare that you feel, I think, I think we've, we've been pretty good as a fan base to kind of have a little bit of caution and the, the next guy up who you're proclaiming will be an all American, uh, you know, with Trevor Lawrence's side, of course. Um, but I think he's one guy we feel really good about, even though we didn't see it uh, necessarily on the field last year, that he's just going to be darn good. ESPN has him ranked as a top 50 player. Um, without really much of a, a, a resume to this point. And you saw a little bit of it in the spring game, but I talked about it earlier. What he did with his body, contorting, stopping, route running, just leaping over people, you that's, you can't fake that. Yeah, and, and so I think uh, one of his areas of improvement coming out of last year was just his frame. He needed to, f to fill out a little bit. Well, he's there because all three of these guys, between Higgins, Overton, and Ross, they're all listed 6'4", all listed 210, so they're all playing in the same ballpark. I think so. And yeah, Overton, maybe that was his shortcoming too. A little bit of physical immaturity, even in his second year. He's down his third year. It's, hey man, get get with it because Ross isn't going to hold anything back. And if you don't get with it, you're going to get you're going to get surpassed on the depth chart. So um, Ross is the other guy. He was making just freak plays. Everyone's has seen the the viral catch of him with the one handed catch. But he's also just the coaches are just really impressed with his work ethic, the way he's he takes coaching. And I, I don't know how to compare him yet to physically to his skill set to T Higgins, but uh, even his peers, the uh, other players are saying, "Wow, you have two of these guys." Um, the, yeah, the the talent is off the charts in terms of what they can do. Yeah, I anticipate that's not going to be the last one-handed catch we see in his career, but um, he's come in uh, physically ready, and it seems to be he has the mental part down as well. So. 
embarrassment of riches, we say it over and over again, but especially at this nine-man position, it's going to be an area of huge improvement, I believe, from this core group from last year. It, it just feels like there's no way it couldn't be. If T. Higgins, for whatever reason, isn't living up to it, next guy. And if Overton's not ready, uh, next, next guy. guy. And it, it's like, probability-wise, someone's got to um, give, give you that plus grade. And, and the skill set, ultimately, that you want, um, guys that can leap, catch those 50-50 balls, and, and so, so forth. So let's move it across the field to the two-man spot. Uh, Amari Rogers returns this year into the starting role. Uh, he's a guy that, as a true freshman year, last year, saw the field more than T. Higgins did. He didn't come in as hyped, although he was very hyped. We knew he was going to be a great player, but he had that mental aspect of the game down. So seeing what he's going to be able to do and how he progresses in his second year, he's going to be a huge threat out there. I think so. You saw glimpses of it. Uh, he was compared a lot to Artavis Scott because of his build, more like a running back on the outside. But you saw burst of just athleticism and speed um, that I don't think Artavis quite had. So you, you kind of some consider it like the best of both worlds with Ray Ray and Artavis, where you have the size of Artavis and kind of the burst of, of Ray Ray with uh, Amari Rogers. Um, but but a lot a lot of leaping ability. So he actually can. He, he, you're going to see him make some catches this year too. Or um, at five ten, he's gonna he's gonna surprise you. Yeah, I mean, an amazing athlete. He is, build-wise, he's right up there with Tavian Feaster. Um, so interesting to see that at, at the wide receiver position, um, especially there at the, the, the two spot. Um, you mentioned it earlier with Kelly Bryant. It doesn't matter between who, if it's Kelly Bryant or Trevor Lawrence or whomever it is, but just getting him the ball in space and let him do work is going to be something that they really should focus on this year. I think they will. Yeah, it's going to pay yeah. dividends. And I think... Uh, there were a lot of split snaps, and, I, and I'm sure they'll everyone will get their reps this year. But I think Amari is really your top dog there, and uh, there, I won't say there's a drop off to the next spot. But when you look at that snap uh, count or distribution, Amari is gonna he's gonna log the majority of those. Yeah. So the next back down, uh, Cornell Powell, the the junior veteran coming into his third year, is sitting there um, in that two spot. So. Uh, kind of, he's been kind of lost in the weeds there, just with all the talent that that there is on this football team. We expect him to carve out more of a niche in the return game this year, but he's going to be given the opportunity to see the field. So it's going to come down to what he does with those opportunities that determines how much he does see it um, on the field as a wide receiver. Yeah, just a classic case of a what was a top fifty player overall in high school, um, you know, vying for five star status. <laughs> Comes in a class behind another five star, and then a four star before that, uh, and now and, you know, and Mario Rogers is just he, like you said, he was so ready coming out of the gate, so he's kind of just stuck on the depth chart. But I, I mean, you're not going to see a huge drop off because the guy's talented. He's a little bit bigger at the two position, um, good speed, some some change of direction. Like you said, he'll be doing kickoff returns or, or punt returns. And not gonna not, not saying that he's gonna be as good as him, but it kind of reminds me a little bit of Jerron Brown's situation, kind of being in there with. Sammy and Nuke and Martavis Bryant, I mean, obviously has gone on to have a good NFL career. Yeah, I mean he's he's no slouch. Um, in this case, he's getting buried behind a couple of those guys, but yeah, uh, he would have been uh, a key part of that rotation. Whereas he's having trouble logging snaps in this rotation. Um, so Darren Kendrick uh, brings up the rear there. He came in in the spring, and you know coaches were talking uh, really highly of him in the spring. It seems like. That slowed down a little bit as installation of the offense and fall camp and everything and the rigors of fall camp kind of came into play. But 
He's not redshirting. He's stuck it in there, and I think you're going to see some wow plays out of him this year. He's not going to make as much of an impact this year, but when we start looking into next year, he's going to be a key guy. Yeah, he'll be a guy that you'll you'll look in mop-up duty, and he'll he'll make one guy move on a screen pass, and he'll take it 60 yards to the house, and you'll be like, who is that guy? And you'll, he'll make his name known really quickly because he, he does have kind of that Sammy Watkins gear uh, about him, um, and he has he has a bigger frame at the two position that we haven't really seen. Yeah, so, and it turns heads when coaches start throwing out that Sammy Watkins name. Yeah, and it's not that it, means something. Physically, they do look a little bit uh, a little similar. Um, I, <laughs> Sammy Watkins, he, you know, he's my number one at wider CRU, but uh, but this guy's he's also a five star and supremely talented. So aside from the mental aspect and the installation, that's it, it seems to like you said he hit a wall. Uh, physically, uh, he's he's right there with everyone else. Yeah, so Nuke's my number one. Uh, we'll argue that later. Uh, Hunter Renfro was your number one. <sighs> Past players. Um, so speaking of Hunter Renfro, let's move on to that slot, the five-man position. Hunter Renfro returns as your starter, uh, starting now for the third year in a row. Uh, it seems like he's been here forever, but unfortunately, this is going to be his last year on the football team. So I really cherish uh, every incredible catch that he makes on third down this year, every uh, five Gamecock defenders that he blows through on the way to a long touchdown. Um, what more can you say about this guy? Yeah, it'll be interesting to follow his NFL career, but I'm really going to enjoy this in his senior season. I think so, and you know he'll make. But which, by the way, like he was always reliable, always ran good routes, and he had great hands with his Sean Watson. Um, There's a certain mental component that he had, and in a, in a, in a chemistry it seemed with Deshaun Watson. But he seemed to take his game to another st- another gear last year. If you recall, like against NC State, where he just made a couple of just freaky plays, and it wasn't luck. It's not luck when you make when you make them multiple times. But one one example of that was the NC State game, where he literally just turned to the sideline and he kind of corralled a ball. He's got a certain level of like I don't want to call it sneaky athleticism, but it's also awareness. Just just awareness of his position on the on the field. We know how good of a route runner he is, but he's got it's his instinct. I think that that sets him above the rest. It is that, but I guess my, my argument would just be that on top of the instinct, I think he's just adding a layer of, hey, I, I'm a really good athlete too. Well, and part and of that he is he runs really well, well like he's surprisingly better than most people. He's think. not the fastest guy in the world, but what he does really well, he's he's able to change direction without losing speed, and that's what gets him past a lot of guys. Yeah, that's more what I meant because man, he'll 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 drop on the dime and and, and turn um, out of he'll get out of his his cuts really quickly. So, um, yeah. We're going to miss him, but you know, at least, at least one game, maybe two games, he's going to make a play where it's probably going to turn turn the uh, momentum or, or win the game for us. Well, yeah, and when it comes down to it, um, you know that he's going to be one of the most reliable guys on this team. When it comes into crunch time, he's going to make some big plays for you. Um, so sitting behind him is Trevion Thompson. He moved over from that nine-man position. Uh, he's been around forever, too. He's been around forever. He's a graduate student, same as Hunter Renfro. Um He's a guy from from what we're hearing is you know he made some big catches last year that in, in at meaningful points in games. Uh, you you read Tiger Illustrated; those guys were mentioning. Do not be surprised him. Do not be surprised to see him make some big catches this year again in critical moments. I mean, this is a guy. He's a veteran. He's got the ability. Another guy who's been buried on the depth chart behind more talented guys, but he's going to make an impact this year. And then you still have TJ Chase, who is like has just been getting solid reviews um, since his really since last year, his redshirt freshman year. This, this being his third year. Yeah, I think um, I think you'll see him out on the field this year, still more mop up duty, but he'll get his fair share of uh, 
of touches. I think grooming him this year to take over for Renfro next year is what we really have to look forward to. It seems like that's going to be the case. Yeah. Um, okay, so that wraps it up for the wide receivers. Um, again, super talented group. We're going to see a lot of good things out of them this year. Whether or not one guy is going to go off for 15 touchdowns, it's highly doubtful just because a lot of them are going to see the field. But wide receiver U is back for the 2018 season, and we anticipate they will not disappoint. Now let's move on to a group that has a little bit more question marks, the tight end position. Okay, so after losing Jordan Leggett at the end of the 2016 season, we really saw a drop-off in production at the tight end position. Garrett Williams, of course, went down with a season-ending injury. That was that was hurtful in the, the blocking game more than anything else, but we've really heard um, his receiving ability has improved uh, coming into this year. So getting him back is going to be huge. Of course, we've got the incumbent from last year, Mylon Richard. Hope to see some improvement from him, not only in blocking, but I would really love to see him get involved even more in the passing game because this is a well-oiled machine when the tight ends have a big impact. I think so, and it's good to have a little bit of both. And honestly, I, I, at this point, if if Mylon Richard, I suspect he'll step up being a, a senior a little bit in the passing game, but if you can run out Garrett Williams and he can provide the same grade, uh, from a, a receiving standpoint, then I think you have a, a really good tight end. Um, and I think that's the guy you're rolling with. Yeah, so again, it would be very interesting to see the the uptick, if there is uptick in production this year. You know, behind these two guys, you got J.C. Chalk, Braden Galloway, the true freshman who made, um, made a splash in the spring, but we think it, that kind of slowed down and don't expect him to make much of an impact this year. think he may see the field, but an avoided redshirt. And then you have Cannon Smith after him. So I think really what it is, that once you get past Richard and Williams, you're really going to see this team transition more into four wide receiver sets to get some of your bigger bodies that we do have, again, those six, four guys we were talking about, on the field together. And I think that's going to tax opposing defenses more than anything else. It'll be interesting. There, there will be some new wrinkles. I, I, I can't see otherwise, especially like you talk, we talked about Justin Ross, getting him on the field, him and T. Higgins on the field at the same time. And maybe, like you said, maybe not having quite the personnel at tight end, and it would stand a reason that that's what that's the the path we would take. So, do you anticipate that the tight ends are going to have more of an impact, let's say, than did last year? Like, I mean, a significant impact, something that you re- that you see as part of the package uh, in the passing game more often than not than you do a see uh, than you see a four wide receiver set with these bigger guys. I, I'm going to say no. Actually, I, I I'm not going to be surprised if we don't put up prolific or rip-roaring numbers at tight end. I, w- I would I would expect more of the same. I, I think where you're going to see the biggest jump is at, is at receiver. And then as long as we can block better, and I think you're going to get that with Williams and, and Williams pushing Richard. Yeah, so I'm really interested to see. Uh, we know what Garrett Williams can do in the blocking game. We've seen that on the field before. I will be interested to see his involvement in the passing game if that actually becomes a factor this year. I think so. Well, yeah, it's tough to say. It can be used uh, at certain times, but um, probably not as – it's not like Leggett or, or Dwayne Allen as a fundamental part of your offense. No, I think what you're going to see is these guys' impact is going to come more often. They'll get their occasional catches, but I think goal line situations, um, short yardage situations, uh, that's where, especially a guy like Garrett Williams, you're going to really see his value. I think so. Well, we'll see how it plays out this year with this group. You know, Clemson had several years there of, of NFL uh, caliber tight ends. We haven't, we didn't see that last year. 
with these guys uh, coming down the road. Uh, Braden Galloway maybe fits that mold after a few years, and then we've got some um, we got some recruits coming in next year that may be able to fit that mold. So not really sure that you're going to see that at least from a patch, pass catching ability this year. I think the onus is on Richard to really fill that role if he can't step up his game. But we'll see if that happens. I don't think we're necessarily going to be able to rely or need to rely on it as much this year, just because I expect the passing game in general to be improved and the wide receiver play to be improved. That wraps it up for the tight ends. Let's finish out the offense here uh, with the offensive line. All right, as we mentioned, uh, could be one of the best uh, starting offensive lines that Dabo has had um, in his tenure as the Clemson coach. Of course, that all starts with bringing back fourth-year senior Mitch Hyatt, a guy who could have gone to the NFL last year. He's part of that package with uh, Clee. Uh, Austin Bryant, Christian Wilkins, and Kendall Joseph on the defensive side of the ball that came back for one more year. But how big is it that Mitch Hyatt has come back this year, given the depth behind him is not that, not that, no, it's not that deep. It's the biggest offseason acquisition, or the biggest offseason. Uh, Even bigger than the defensive line returnees. Than any one single one, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. I agree. And it's yeah you can't understate it because of the reasons you mentioned you're not so sure who the next guy up even if, if you have to pull anchor him over from right tackle sure he may be ser- serviceable at left but then who's going to man right tackle so there's definitely some depth concerns there and um well i think the positive that's come out of that is you de- did see jackson carmen uh lose some weight came in at 370s down to 345 but he leapfrogged blake vinson uh to be that second team left tackle behind mitch hyatt vinson moving over to to the to the right tackle position. So it doesn't necessarily mean that if Mitch Hyatt was to go down, that, that Jackson Carmen is going to be the first guy in. I think you would expect to see Tremaine Ankrum switch over from right tackle, moving Sean Pollard from right guard to right tackle. Uh, but we still expect Carmen to see the field a lot this year. Yeah. You want to get him groomed for, for 2019. And one of the interesting moves on the offensive line, you mentioned uh, Pollard moving in. I, I like that. I like, I, I, I've said before, I think he's, he was a good right, uh, right tackle for college. I think he's going to be potentially a great right guard. Um, and I think it get, like you said, you get your best five on the field where they're, they're, they're all upperclassmen. Now they have that continuity um, chemistry or whatever you want to call it. Um, and that's important. And then in a pinch, if you, have, if, if you do have to move Pollard out to right tackle, again, that's not the worst thing in the world. You got Cade Stewart to fill in for him at right guard. Yeah, and that's a guy we haven't talked about much. Cade uh, Stewart, has, uh, it's hard to tell if it's like lip service or if it's if it's coach speak. But he's the guy they expect to make the biggest impact coming off the bench on the offensive line. Yeah, and I mean, he's is he in, he's interior, right? Correct? Yeah, right guard. He's, so, he's, he's right guard behind Sean Pollard. So, like, I mean, you know, I don't know how to take that. So I, I was really hoping Mac Bockhorst would be that guy, a four-star player in his redshirt freshman year. But, you know, maybe it's not such a bad thing. Maybe Kate Stewart is just – he's been in the system. He's lived up to uh, expectations, and, well, I guess he's exceeded them by now. Well, they've actually got Mac Bockhorst second at left guard behind John Simpson. So I think he's still certainly in the mix. Okay, so I think initially they were – Touting Bockhorst is the right guard, but so there's def- like there's going to be doing shuffling and Gage Cervinka. Surprisingly, I don't think is I think he's more of like the fourth or fifth option, whereas we anticipated him to be uh, maybe the backup uh, at least at center. Well, he's definitely the backup center, so that's the anticipation there. Again, there's been a lot of shuffling on this offensive line. This is probably well. Let me re- let me rehash the, or rephrase that. It sounded like Passanelli might move over to a guard spot and then Cervinka, Cervinka but that center. doesn't sound like it's the case. It seems like Stewart and Bockhorst have come along enough to where. 
that's what's well, how they're going to play it. Yeah, so I, I think this is probably the position groups on the offense that was there was the most shuffling coming out of the spring. So I think we're going to have to see things played out this year. It's just not as clear just seeing how much things is. I think the starting five is certainly locked in. Uh, we expect Carmen uh, to have a huge impact next year. He's going to have to. He's going to have to move into that starting left tackle role. Um, but the starting five, without a doubt, are going to be solid. I think so. And then you have you probably don't have as much depth as you would like, and ultimately the what will determine the, the success of this squ- uh, offensive line, I believe, will be depth. Um, one injury, and you're really tested here, and we'll figure out what they're made of. But um, yeah, from one to one to five, or maybe you could say one to six or seven, it's it's real a really good offensive line. Yeah, I mean, again, guys with Pollard and Ingram, this is their third year. They they've played heavily both their first two years in the program, of course, starting last year. So great experience there on the right side. We know what we have on the left side. And speaking, I mean, we didn't talk much about John Simpson, but John Simpson, I think looking up and down this roster, and I mentioned it before, that he has the best chance to be um, probably the better NFL prospect out of any lineman currently on the team. Jackson Carmen not included because we haven't really seen him play yet. No, agreed. He's, he's got all the, the measurables, um, and it, maybe he's a dark horse to play tackle. I don't know. He did play a lot of that in high school. So, um, But, yeah, but yeah, that guy, that type of athlete as your left guard. Um, he, I think last year he, had, he suffered from some mental lapses, but that's going to happen for backups. It's just it's it's really a different position. It's unlike any other on the, on the team where you're, you're working with the guys beside you. And now that he's had those first team reps, I, I don't suspect that'll be uh, a downgrade given and Taylor Hearn was no slouch last year. Yeah, I think that, I mean, you're, that speaks a lot. You're right. The continuity is important. And I think that matters more on the offensive line than it does on any other position group on the field. Absolutely. Well, again, starting five looks great for the offensive line. A lot of questions at those backup positions, a lot of talent there. And we do expect some guys again, like Matt Bach, horse, Kate Stewart, uh, to pull through at some point this year. It'll be interesting to see some of these other guys, Chandler Reeves backing up anchor at right tackle. Um, again, mentioned Vincent. Um, he's dropped a little bit, see what he does. And then you got Noah DeHond, the, the, the redshirt freshman. Um, probably still has a lot more growing into his, his body. This guy's 6'7", 310. Probably going to take him some more time to get used to the, the nuances of playing offensive line, so not expected to have much of an impact this year. But look for him to do so down the road. So that wraps it up for the offense. Uh, we touched on some special teams last time, uh, focused more on the defensive side. Let's run through them one more time for the offensive guys and let's talk about the kickers and the returners. Okay, Cody, so at kickoff and punt return, we got Amari Rogers' first team um, as punt returner. You got Cornell Powell actually in there with Travis Etienne. Uh, a kickoff return, expect to see uh, Lynn J. Dixon. That could be a, a place where he kind of carves out a niche for himself this year. We won't talk about each individual position, uh, so to speak, but how much do you expect the return game to have an impact on this this team this year. For me personally, I don't think it really starts to matter until we start playing stiffer competition and field position matters. But what we have missed the last few years is, and especially since the C.J. Spiller and Andre Ellington uh, days, were those big returns. Yeah, well, you saw a little, just a little glimpse of it last year. Amari Rogers apparently talked to uh, an NFL player, and his name is blanking on me, but he has a certain a few connections because of his, his dad's T. Martin, who is a former. NFL player. Um, anyhow, can't remember the guy's name, but he said, get upfield. The, re- the advice from the NFL player was to get upfield. Don't don't bounce around from right to left. And he took that advice and 
you saw like instant results and it was really it was a thing of beauty to watch if he can if he can incorporate that into his game in terms of the return game then i want to watch that off season and it could it could have a it could have a great impact on the team maybe it doesn't win us a game in the regular season i hope that our games don't come down to that but in the playoffs that that could be a huge momentum shift or, or game swing uh, yeah, T. Martin, more well-known for his time at Tennessee than he was in his limited playing time in the NFL. But that being said, um, he's out there on the coaching staff on USC, so certainly um, a great, you know, good football mind there and somebody that Amari Rogers is it's a good role model uh, for him to look up to getting all the nuances of the game. And I, I think that has really played itself out in how early he's been able to make an impact on this team in multiple positions. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just something to – to look at the special teams has improved vastly over the last few years. Uh, again, we've tend to play it more conservative in the return game just because the offense has been more potent. It wasn't necessarily the case last year, but we'll see if they uh, let them unleash things this year. Um, and then uh, place kicking uh, the big thing for me, Greg Hugel coming back. I just, um, I'm really encouraged by what I, we hear out of him uh, coming out of camp. I think that it's often forgotten what he was able to accomplish in his sophomore year, he was a solid kicker, a guy that we could really depend on. So the fact that he's run away with the job this year, he's out of that leg brace that he was kicking with in the spring game. Um, I expect uh, the place kicking to be much improved this year. Don't expect that we're going to be in a lot of crucial situations, game winning situations where it's going to come down to a field goal. But based on what we saw last year with Alex Spence, um, it's an unknown what BT Potter's going to be able to do. Uh, we know he's got the leg, but he doesn't have the accuracy. Um, I feel much more comfortable with the games on the line if Greg Hugel is in there to take the kick. Um, again, especially that's going to uh, probably more likely come to pass in a college football playoff scenario, perhaps ACC championship game, not to undersell the uh, ACC Coastal. Um, okay, let's wrap up this episode, Cody, with another rapid-fire segment. Okay, as we mentioned earlier, last year, the 45th ranked offense in the S&P. Cody, what do you have this year over under 15 and a half? Wow. Um, wow, that's a really good over under, Ben. You're usually not so good with these sort of, sorts of things. Um, Thanks, bud. I'm going to go. Oh, man, I hate to say this, but I'm going to go over. I don't know that we'll be a top 15 offense. I don't think we're going to have to be, and I think uh, that's, maybe that's why that that's part of it. Um, I, I'm kind of with you. I think in crucial game situations, you're going to see maybe this offense and the play calling open it up a little bit more. But we don't have to show a lot early on. I mean, just build big leads and uh, go from there. I think our defense is going to score some points this year. Maybe that's why. I'm, and it, let's just say this: if we are top 15 offense by S and P's ratings, that's that's really good. Look out. Does that mean Trevor Lawrence is the starter for most of the year? No, I actually think we could be right at 15. With Kelly Bryant? But that might be Kelly Bryant reaching his upside. That could be his ceiling. Yep. Fair enough. Um, so speaking of points of game, over under 36 and a half, we were right around 33, 34 last year. Deshaun Watson's last year, close to 40. Wow, Ben, another really good line that you set. Um, that was pretty easy. I put it right between the 2017 and 2016 numbers. So don't give me so much credit. Let's say this. I'm reluctantly going to say the over, and with that, if we're not over, I think I'll be a little bit disappointed. Yeah, I think I will be too. There's a lot of room from improvement uh, from last year. I think part of the reason, again, that you didn't see this team score more is because they didn't have to. The team went conservative, went a bit vanilla once they got big leads, but 
again, I expect this defense to also score some points this year, um, and that's going to factor into it. Um, okay, touchdown passes. Uh, again, last year, 17 for this team. Over under 25 and a half. For reference, you looked up 15 and 16s. What were those numbers? Uh, 2015 uh, was 35. 2016 was 45. So from 45 to 17 last, last year. year. Thir- 13 of those by Kelly Bryant. And now you're setting line where? 25? 25 and a half. 25 and a half. Okay, that's another one where it's a really good line, and I'm going to reluctantly pick the over, and we'll be with T. Higgins and Overton, and these guys will be really disappointed the only thing I can think of is is Etienne's running in a lot of a lot of touchdowns and Kelly Bryant's running in a lot of zone reads for touchdowns. Yeah, that's what I tend to think. Um, but I'm still I still think I'm going to go the over there just because I, I think Kelly Bryant's going to have to be improved in the passing game. So that's going to otherwise he's not going to be in there. So you're between him improved or Trevor Lawrence, who we know is going to throw touchdown passes. I mean that's going to be his thing. Um, we hope. Uh, I got it. I put us at the over. It might be like 26 or 27, but I'm still going over with that one. And maybe another reason to pick the over is you're going to get a couple of highlight plays from Lawrence, but then Chase Bryce is going to come in as a gunslinger. He might throw a couple interceptions, but he's going to have like a three touchdown game at some point this year. Um, over under touchdown passes from Trevor Lawrence to Kelly Bryant, one and a half. I'm going to take the under. How much, I mean, that's all the money, all the chips. Going over, saying two in the playbook. Um, Travis Etienne, 50-plus yard runs over under five and a half. Five and a half. He had four last year. Four last year. Um, I'm going to go under. Under five and a half? Yes. Just to just to mix it up. Just to, just to keep it honest. Just because you haven't gone under yet? Yep. Okay. But that, that, that feels about right if he gets to five or six. I'm going over just to be on the other side of that fence. So and I think it's very possible. I mean, it's not outrageous to think that he is going to go for 50 yards more than four times this year, more than five times. Man, we needed certainly, him to last year. That it, it'll, it'll just be a little icing on the cake this year. Certainly got it in him. Um, who will have the most TD catches on the team this year? Deion Kane led the, the, the team last year with six. That is a pretty paltry number. <laughs> who leads it this year? It's, it's got to be, well, Higgins and Rodgers. Got to be one of the Tennessee guys. I'm going to go with Rodgers and nothing against T. Higgins. I hope, I want it to be Higgins, but I'm going to go with Rodgers because he's going to get more reps, more snaps. And I think you know, Ross is going to get some. He's going to mix into that and then as well as Overton. Uh, so you went Higgins? Rodgers. Oh, you went Rodgers. Uh, I don't even think I, – I wouldn't be surprised if Higgins isn't number two. Oh, he's going to have to be Rodgers. Oh, if he isn't number two. Because the others are going to chop into his. Hunter Renfro will. Hunter Renfro might be. There'll be other guys in the nine-man position. Yeah, I I think I tend to agree with you on that. I think uh, Amari Rodgers is a guy that there's not a – I think the separation between him and Cornell Powell may be a little bit more than there are at other position groups on the field. Um, So I think Amari Rodgers is a good, uh, good pick there. Um, Okay, let's wrap it up here. Speaking of Hunter Renfro, national championship winning touchdown catches over under – one half. We're going to win it in the third quarter. So under. Bold, bold, bold. I say we win it on um, a touchdown throw to him. I think that's the go-ahead touchdown, and it doesn't matter what we score after that. I'm going one. Wait a minute. Who's him? Hunter Renfro. Okay. End it on a high note. 
Okay, folks. Well, thanks for. Who's still in the pass? Wait, wait, wait. Ooh. Who's still in the pass? In the third quarter, uh, Chase Price. Damn, I was gonna. That was gonna be my. That's that's the hipster <laughs> pick. Okay, I'll. T- that's the. I'll that's, take Ben Batson. That's the that's the cop out pick. Uh, how about Hunter Renfro throws it to himself because I believe he's fifth on the depth chart at quarterback. Um. There we go. That wraps it up. That's your position group preview breakdown for the 2018 football season. Thanks, everybody, for sticking with us. I know these are long episodes, but we gotta got to battle through it here as we lead into the football season. Um, again, thanks to all our first-time listeners and everybody returning. Um, again, you can uh, interact with us on Gmail at ClemsonPodcast at gmail.com, at ClemsonPodcast on Facebook and Twitter, and then, of course, interact with us on SoundCloud, and leave us an iTunes review if you got the time. A few shout-outs here. Uh, uh, Rob Matthews, again, our guy from Ireland. He's going to be visiting for his uh, first-ever trip to the States. He's going to make it over to a Clemson game. He just happenstance kind of fell in love with Clemson football. So we want to show him a good time. If you're interested in, in, in welcoming him to your tailgate, uh, give us a give us a shout-out, and we'll connect you. Again, I'm going to try to be there, so hopefully be able to hang out with him a little bit. Uh, Benji Hudson, we got your message on Facebook. Thanks so much for listening. Um, same to Zach Moore and Philip Beam. We appreciate all you guys um, listening to the show. This is an exciting uh, fourth year that we're heading into for the Clemson Podcast. Um, we've got two national championships game appearances under our belt, one national championship and one college football playoff appearance. So we've got a pretty good track record, I'd say, Cody. Yep, and hopefully a fourth one coming and a podcast party that will definitely happen. In Santa Clara, if that happens. And if you don't know, Santa Clara is the destination of the national championship. Game. And if you don't know, we are located out here in San Francisco. That's where we live. So uh, the podcast fully expects to be there. We're renting a house, renting a limo. We're going all out. So that's all the time we have for you today. Uh, we look forward to catching back up with you after the Furman win. <coughs> sorry, Furman game. Um, and maybe do a little preview of the season. We're not going to get it in here before we go. Um, but we don't think that that's going to have much of an impact on it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Spot the damn ball. Go Tigers. Hey, folks, welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. It is Tuesday, August 20th. Hey, folks, welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. It is Tuesday, August 28th, and we are four days until kickoff in... Ben and Cody here. No. Ben and Cody here with you today. Ben and Cody here with you today. Ben and Cody here with you today for part two of our. Stop laughing. Ben and Cody here with you today for part two of our.